Welcome to Bear Football. My name is Aldo Gandia filling in for John Buffon and Coach T as the day off. Uh, boy, oh boy, I was getting ready for a celebration show. And then all of a sudden, like within the last five, ten minutes, nine seconds left in the game. They're up by 12 points. And I was about to come out here, Aldo. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to cut you off. No, 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 no. Please go, go. Because I, I was coming here, I'm like, you know what? This could be because I thought the game was over when when they went in at that eight almost eight minute drive when it was 13 minutes in the fourth quarter. They got the ball, you know, they got that 12 point lead. They get the ball back. It was like two minutes 59 seconds, I believe. Uh, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, it was like four minutes and 18 seconds, I believe, when they give the ball back to Detroit. They're down by 12. They go in to score that first time. Um, I was about to I'm about to see. You know, I tweeted out, I'm like, this could be. I'm thinking to myself after the post, this could this could be a a, a job saving victory. For Matt Eberflus and his staff, because to go into Detroit and to pretty much, other than a couple of drives here and there, they pretty much dominated this whole game. And to beat up a seven and two team that was leading the division, that was flying high, and I'm like, this could be that game that Eberflus has been looking for. And like you said, with 14 left, they go and they easily score down on, on the defense, and then the, the Bears do all, you know up three and up, get the ball back to Detroit, and with 259 they go back and they score. And how are they? How did they go down the field, Aldo? The way I've been criticizing this defense from the beginning, the middle. The middle of this defense is weak, and this is how you beat the defense. The NFL has a script on how to beat this 4-3 cover 2 defense, and that's what they did. They went down the middle, whether it's uh, you know easy throws, passes, so on and so forth, and they just drove down uh, uh, both times, and they put this game away. And now, so I'll, I'll let you take from there. But it was just – it went from being a, a game-saving – I'm sorry, uh, job-saving uh, game for Eberflus to possibly now this could be the nail in his coffin. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you there. You know, there's you've got to win games in this league, and when you have a a two-score uh, lead in in a game that late in the game, it's on you and how you've coached this team and how you lead this team to take them to victory. And time of possession, Bears 40 minutes and 24 seconds. Lions, 19 out of 36. Look at the turnovers. Yes. Stevenson had an interception. Edwards, an interception. Interception. Edmonds, an interception. Demarcus Gates had a fumble recovery. This had all the ingredients for victory. And Eberflus deserves some credit. Maybe he is a good defensive coordinator. But when you add everything up with Matt Eberflus, and including this 
super disappointing loss. It's time now for Ryan Post to start to open up that file of potential successors and start to think about when do I bring these guys in for interviews? When's the earliest possible time to talk to people? Because this is not sustainable and you leave a stain on the player's psyche. You know, and, and so you need a new voice in the locker room. You need a new leader in at Hallis Hall who is going to erase these stains from these players' minds because there are good players here. Ryan Pulse has put together a fairly good roster, you know, after gutting the roster entirely. He's put together some pretty good team players that need further development and need the kind of leadership that's going to lead to victories. That's what we don't have with this team right now. I hate to say it for Iberflus, but he needs to find a moving company because his days in Chicago are now numbered. Although you're gonna have to reel me in because because I have a lot of emotion going here right now. My, my analytic brain is is kind of fighting with my fan brain, and I, I need you to reel <laughs> me in here. All right, so okay. I'm gonna to, just to pull the strains in and cut me off. Okay, you got it. It, it. it go from you you win the turnover battle four to one, okay, and you're a defensive minded head coach, and you have a 12 point lead. Like I just said, with less than five minutes left in the game, you should win these games. You should win these games. Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can't do this, you know, they keep talking about the culture they're building. Well, you know what? It's a losing culture. This team needs to learn how to win. And uh, even looks like him seems to be a good person, a good dude. But in terms and probably a good defensive coordinator, but in terms of a head coach that inspires a team to rally and to buck up and to win these tight games and to to pull these victories out. He just hasn't done it and he he can't lead him through it. And it just it's no knock on him. Some of the most successful college coaches, some of the most successful offensive and offensive defensive corners in the NFL have not been able to be good head coaches. So it's not a knock on him. He just can't do it. And he need, you need to bring a guy in that could do it. And I've talked about this on Before 55. I've talked about it on our, this, this you know, post-game show. There are a number of cans out there. One might even be across the football field, you know, tearing up uh, that Eberflus led defense and, and Mr. Ben Johnson there. You know, and what, what the, scoring those those touchdowns in the last you know, couple of minutes there of the game, so that could be a possible. Um, and then having him seeing Fields live and, and do what he did today, I wonder if Ben Johnson has any ideas. And oh, I, I'm wondering how I can use this kid's talents in my offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is there was a lack of daringness, if that's a word, you know, from Eberflus in that fourth quarter. It was so safe, you know, to go into that prevent defense. T3P podcast says, although remember, we, we went toe-to-toe with the best in the NFC. I understand that, but there are no consolation prizes here. At a, at a certain point, you've got to fucking start winning these games. I know we don't swear on this show, and I just did, so I apologize to people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is a fuck game. (laughs) It really, really is. I mean, I was so ready to do a celebration. I was so happy that Justin Fields was was back. I I posted this. Did I load it? Yeah, I think I did. I posted this on on Twitter. I got chills. They're multiplying, and I'm losing control. Cause Fields is back and he's hitting more. It's electrifying. Woo! That's a game-winning play. We we talked about the halftime that they, they missed. He missed them on that in the first half on that same kind of route. Came yep. back second half. I love the fact what he did there, and and I saw it a couple of times in this game is him 
climbing the ladder, stepping up in the pocket, not retreating, not turning around. You're not, not kind of retreating away and running into a defensive lineman. Step up in a pocket, buy some more time, and then hit in stride. You know, that's what we talked about in the first half. He missed him. He hit him in the second half. I'm telling you, it all looked like it was a victory. And, I, and I, I've been one of the, you know, I've been one of the biggest proponents about firing the staff. But I was ready to come out here and say, you know what? This could be a victory that might save this staff. This could energize this football team. You could see them go on a possible, God forbid, two, three-game winning streak and save this man's job and this entire staff's job. But what happens? Doesn't come to fruition. They, they managed to blow a 12-point lead with less than five minutes left in the game. And, and a game that you controlled throughout the football game. I think we all we both agree the Bears pretty much dominated this game. We just talked about time possession. We talked about the turnover battle. Everything. All right. Montez Sweat got his first sack. I mean, he the defensive line was creating some pressure there. You're blitzing. You, you know, Jack Sanborn got that first uh sack on that, that first drive in that second half, the third to get off the field for third down. Everything was rolling, and then it just completely falls apart. And I, I go from possibly praising this staff now saying, you know what? That's it. I'm 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 I was right. I'm done with the staff. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to uh, not blame this staff. And uh, and it's going to be interesting to see and hear what the players uh, say and behave uh, based on this incredibly disappointing loss. Everyone, you know, when you lose a game like this, players are no different than fans. You start to, to wonder, you know, whose fault was this? Right. Whose fault was this? Right. And I would be shocked if anyone – blamed it on Justin Fields, but slick sophistication. I don't know if he's asking, making a question, or but he says this loss would be blamed on Fields. So I'm not sure if he's blaming it on Fields or, or what. Danny, your thoughts about Justin Fields uh, in this game? If, if Tyson Bajan was playing this game, they wouldn't have been in this game. I'm playing Very this, true. They would not have been in this game. All right. Very this game, true. They were in this game. They were leading this game partly because of Justin Fields. And mm-hmm. now the, the fact I don't know if he's if to be that's being sarcastic or or the fact that that the ball was strip sacked at uh, strip sacked at the end uh, out of his hand. I mean he was looking away. Uh, you know Darnell Wright was beat by Hutchinson. Uh, I, I'm not sure why there wasn't a chip on Hutchinson. He's the best pass rusher. We've talked about it before. Uh, I, I have to go back and see the play in terms of the setup, the the scheme, or, or how they were lined up. If they had you know um, five guys blocking, I'm not sure what they were doing, but it just happened real quick. Wright got beat. Hutchinson came in. You know, swung, swiped in, and got the ball out of his hand. Justin wasn't looking at him. The ball came out, and there was a there was a that was a safety, and that was pretty much the the game there. So, um, again, you know, if, if that's what they're pointing at, that, that's just someone that doesn't like Justin Fields playing simple. But if Justin Fields wasn't playing in this game, this game would not have been this close. The Bears would have no chance in this football game. Don Burr is in the chat room, and he's shit talking. He's saying that the Lions toyed with us. No, you know that's bullshit. You're just you're just trolling yeah. with us. The fact of the matter is that all week long, Dan Campbell was talking about this Bears team and talking about how much more improved they are. I mean, the the Lions scored 72 points in two games on the Bears last season. That didn't happen. This defense played fairly well. And if we could have gotten some first downs there in the second in the second half, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, you know, we had an opportunity to score a touchdown. Instead, we went conservative and uh, uh, Cairo Santos got the yeah. three-pointer. But if we yeah. score a, a touchdown – this game is over for the Lions. That was fourth yeah. and one. And that, that yep. was where, like, like you go, it's fourth and one. You've been running the ball successfully there. You know, uh, yeah, they, they tried the, the tush push or everyone, like brotherly shove, or are they calling it now? And they, they, they got, Justin came up short. But, man, it's like I, I was tempted to just just go for it. Show the ball so you have nothing to lose. You're not, it's not mm-hmm. like you're playing for playoff contention. 
Exactly. But then exactly. he's a defensive-minded coach, and they oh. are generally conservative by nature, and that's what happened. He went for the three points and said, oh, you know what? My, my defense is going to stop him. And you know mm-hmm. what? Your defense didn't stop him. Right. Justin Fields finished with 104 yards, rushing 169 passing yards and one passing touchdown. I want to talk up to you, uh, Danny, about the 169 passing yards. Clearly, this is the result of a very conservative play calling by Luke Getze, and we can't blame him. It's like you've been saying for weeks, we are a running team. We are a running team. So you're not asking your quarterback to post a 300-yard game. You're asking him to manage the game and provide explosive plays with his legs and those deep shots downfield when you've got one-on-one with your top receivers. And so – you know, you look at these stats, especially the passing yard stats, and you start to blame Justin Fields. Can he really throw in this league? But you have to consider what he was asked to do in this offense by Luke Getzey, right? Exactly. And the fact he was coming off of a four weeks layoff. He hadn't played in four weeks. So, I mean, obviously there had to be some rust there as well. He thought that the finger taped up. Obviously, it wasn't 100%, but it was it was good enough for him to go out there and play with it with some pain. And then, obviously, the middle finger then got cut. I don't know if it was his nail or what happened there. He was bleeding profusely from his middle finger mm-hmm. on the same throwing hand. So, again, this is not – if you're a Justin Fields hater, you're going to blame this game on Justin Fields. I don't know how you can, but, I mean, he had 104 yards rushing. Obviously, there was a concerted effort to incorporate that quarterback run aspect of it in this game. And, you know, he had, I believe, was it? 18 or 19 carries. I forgot what the final stats were, but at one point he had 17 carries, obviously for 100 yards. But but I, I thought he did a good job of, again, maneuvering in the pocket, escaping from pressure. I talked about earlier a couple of times, you know, climbing the ladder in the pocket. We haven't seen Justin do that really, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I talked about at halftime, like, you know, this could have been something where Justin might have watched Tyson Bajan and said, all right, you know what? This is an opportunity for me maybe to improve there, my pocket presence, buy some more time, not necessarily just rolling up to left or rolling right, but step up in a pocket because, you know, the, the guys on the edges are coming. But my middle where you have your guys in, in Nate Davis and and today it was it was Dan Feeney and then, uh, you know, Tom Jenkins kind of controlling those guys in the middle. Because remember, the edge is where this this Lions team is, is really with, with mainly, mainly with Hutchinson is where they generate that pressure. And we saw on that on that last play with the fumble sack. But, uh, you know, just step up in a pocket, buy some more time. He did it a couple of times and then ran. And then uh, saw earlier with the touchdown to to uh, to D.J. Moore. Step in the pocket, buy some more time, and got a nice open window to throw to DJ Moore. So, you know, that's something that you know I think you can improve on. Now it's it's just going ahead and kind of building on this, on this, on this, um, on this game here today and just saying, all right, obviously, I've been saying this, coach he's been saying this, like this is a running team. Embrace it, you know. And today he embraced it. And I, and I think some people are gonna criticize Getty for going a little conservative on that second to last offensive possession. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't. And the only thing I would just kind of nitpick is I wanted him in the I formation with that lead blocker. We talked about it, Aldo, at halftime. Mm-hmm. Let's get into that I formation, give Foreman or Herbert a lead blocker with blasting game. And let's, you know, and we saw some 13-yard runs. We saw some first downs there in the I formation. That's the only thing I would say, you know what, let's get in the I formation. Let's put a lead blocker in there and let's pound the ball at them. Let's, you know, because they're going to come at us, with, you know, with, with their run defense and all that stuff, blitzing and all that stuff. Let's go at them with, with our, at least a lead blocker. He didn't do that. He's after the goal from the shotgun. I do like Justin's aggression in terms of going for Tyler Scott on, on that, that deep ball because if they connect, that's game, ball over. And and it, and I, I, on the TV copy, it looked like Scott maybe stopped for a little bit. And kind he of did. He okay. did. I, I watched the three I, times. I wasn't sure if I, I saw that or not, but I wanted to go back and see the old 22. But it looks mm-hmm. like you agree as well. Like If Scott just had kept running, I think yes. Justin hits him in stride. That's a, that's a game over right there. So, again, rookie – 
uh, he had the big fumble earlier in the first half as well. So, you know, it's hard to just pin it on him. But there's there's mistakes all around. But to, to say this one was on the offense or Justin Fields is totally, to my, in my opinion, totally in, incorrect. This is the, the, You had a 12-point lead with less than five minutes left. You're a defensive man head coach. You're winning the, the time of possession battle. You're winning the turnover battle. You should go out and close out this 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 game with defensively and get off the football field with a victory. And they, they, they couldn't do it. Yep. You're absolutely right about that Tyler Scott play. He slowed down a bit. It's as if he lost the ball in the air and was searching for it and then spotted it and then went back into that fifth gear because the guy is so fast. But if he would have stayed in fifth gear and not, and not you know, possibly, I'm, I'm sure he, he lost the ball. He got it right if, off his fingertips. If he hasn't stopped that one second, a split, not even a second, probably like a millisecond. Yeah. It's a touchdown, and then all of a sudden those stats that we saw, that 169 yards of passing for Justin Fields turns out to be well over 200, and it's a second passing touchdown because that was a six. So you got to take these things these things into mind. And I, I – you know, I, I started by saying, you know, got Ibraflus has to go and so forth. And I, I, I'm now I'm a little bit wrestling with this because I know Ryan Poles is wrestling with this too. I'm, I'm sure. Now a little bit. Your blood pressure kind of lowered a little bit. <laughs> exactly. I'm starting to think more calmly now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this thing happened so fast. I'm I'm ready to celebrate. I had confetti ready to. You're throw singing out. on Twitter. You're putting out I'm songs. Singing on Twitter. Uh, it was wild. The the collapse. And so, you know, clearly when teams collapse like that, you got to point the finger at the head coach. But at the same time, you know, there there are certain things that happened in this game that were out of the coaches. Uh, power, you know, when Tyler Scott slows down when he should be running to the ball, you know, that's that's not on Eberflus. That's you know, just God being God, football gods being football gods. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But now let's talk uh, about this offensive line. This was a like a weird, weird yeah. game. The cameras catch Braxton Jones saying, fuck you, I can't see. And he says he's taken out of the game. And then a few plays later, he's back in. There's yeah. uh, Darnell Wright, you know, had a kind of a so-so game. You know, he's he, the guy's going to be a future pro bowler. There's no doubt about it. But for a lot of these young guys, it seemed like playing in that stadium, and I've been at that stadium before, Daddy, it is loud and an intimidating environment. Uh, it, it seemed like maybe it was a, the stage was a little too big, as uh, Thomas Jones once said about Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl game. What do you think about the young players? No, I, I think, I, I, although I was going to come on, it's also a part of the whole, like, Post game, I thought we were going to have was praising, you know, the, the coaching staff, praising the offensive line. I think the offensive line did a pretty good job. Again, we talked about it on before 55. These, this this defense is predominantly in terms of the pass rush pressure is a lot of aggression, a lot of blitzing from Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, also just Aiden Hutchinson. I think for pretty much the most part, they gave Justin a pretty good pocket. There was that one sack that I think Justin took the ball. He had to get rid of the ball. That was on him. He took hold on the ball a little bit too long. They they called it a coverage sack on on the on on the broadcast, but I think kind of going back real quick there might have been a couple of guys open he, he could have just kind of if he had anticipated uh the, the receivers route but we'll, we'll take a look at that in l22s but you know I, th I think that was i was only sack they gave up I, I believe if i'm not mistaken i don't have this box score in front of me right now but i think yeah. the offense line played a good game i think there was times where justin had five six seconds to get rid of the football so i was like finally they they're healthy they got the their, 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 the rotation back in there 
Dan Feeney and, and Justin were going at it back and forth in terms of the, the snap count and then, the, you know, Feeney being late with the snap count. That was something that I think they got rectified at the end of the game. But yeah, I mean, in terms of that, that final you know couple of drives, the, the, the crowd obviously got into it. The, you know, the, the audible noise in that, and that, that dome was, was really loud and the communication might've faltered here and there. And obviously Darnell Wright got beat really badly by Aiden Hutchinson. Like I said, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is, is a pro bowl player. Donald Wright's a rookie, could potentially be a Pro Bowl player as well. But, you know, for the most part, I think he did a pretty solid job, especially as, as a run blocker. And I, and I keep saying whether it's Donald Wright or Nate Davis on the right side or, or Donald Wright and Tevin Jenkins on the right side, that is the strength in terms of when you're running, uh, uh, as uh, you know, in terms of your kind of your running plays, run behind that side of the offensive line because those guys are moving people off. And in terms of Braxton Jones, yeah, I'm, him and Alex Anzalone were going back and forth. I'm not because because he got he was defending Justin for he thought Anzalone had a cheap shot on, on the out of bounds then, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden they pulled him. I don't know if that was the independent you know neurologist from the NFL kind of just signaling, hey, you know, he looked mm -hmm. like he might have had something because he goes and you hear him saying, I can't see. So right. I, I don't know what, what was going on there, but I think Braxton Jones had a pretty good game today. You know, yeah, I, just, I just I, I eye on him because I mean he was pretty dominant. Again, he wasn't going against Hutchinson as much, but I think he had a pretty damn good game today. So again, if he can come in and solidify that left tackle spot, right? You got Tevin at left guard. You just got to go uh, upgrade center, and you got Nate Davis at right tackle, and 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 right at right. You know, I'm sorry, Nate Davis at right guard, and and right at right tackle. You have the foundations, in my opinion, of a pretty pretty solid formidable offensive line. You know, big physical guys that can move guys off the line of scrimmage, and you can build off this run game. And I thought this is what we we're going to talk about. I thought we we're going to talk about that the defense came in and pretty much dominated. Jared Goff had three interceptions today. He, yeah. he had one stretch dating back from last season, 383 consecutive passes without an interception. And they picked them off three times, right? Mm -hmm. They had four turnovers in, in the game. They dominated time possession. They should not – the offensive line was playing great. Justin was running all over, making plays. They should have lost this game. I still can't believe they, they lost this game. And it I all can't comes believe down to the, the defense and the defensive head, head coordinator, which is the head coach, couldn't get them off the football field and couldn't get the you know the ball back to the, to the offense or, or get the stop the Lions from scoring, I should say, and get the ball back. We have a lot of Detroit Lions fans in the chat room. Welcome. We'll take your shit. You know, we know why you're talking shit because you know what's ahead. You guys are going to choke. You guys aren't going to go to the Super Bowl. It's going to be the Detroit Lions all over again. Uh, you're going to win a division title for the first time since the – Division was called the NFC North, or not not the North, but NFC Central. Sure. So, uh, you know, the Lions uh, fans uh, deserve to gloat a little bit, but uh, we lost this game. You guys didn't win it, and so you're going to have to be worried about that. But I do give credit to that Detroit Lions team. They've done a great job of drafting. They've got a lot of talent on that team, and um, and they came through, and, and they won. Uh, uh, yes, King, I'm a little upset, so <laughs> – and for before me five, you did a great piece in terms of pre previewing the Lions for this Thank week. You. And 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 in that piece, you identified or someone identified, I believe it was you, that they built that this this team from the inside out. The defense, the offensive lines, and how they built. They built that offensive line. You talked about earlier. I think it was halftime. We talked about they're one of the top, if not top, top five offensive lines in football. And that's what you. That's how you do. And that's one of my things. I I've kind of stuck with Ryan Poles. Like, dude, you come in here, you tear it down. We we okay. I got that. I understood it. Bill from the from the trenches out. Now, offensive line, I, I got y'all talked right now. I give him credit. There are some pieces there that I do like. So hopefully that's taken care of. Now, off this offseason, if he's still here, attack the defensive line. Attack it with everything you got, whether it's free agency, draft, build that defensive line to be stopped. Because 
we saw some pieces today. Well, Montez Sweat, obviously, I think he he's still showing off why they, they gave a second round pick for him. Um, uh, I think uh, Dexter, another game, the young guy, had yeah. some pressure in there. You know, he's making mm-hmm. himself known. And he had that tip ball that ended up to being that Tremaine Edmonds interception. I think that's something. Now, if the other guy can come along, Zach Pickens, who I liked a lot, I think that that's something that you can build on there. Justin Jones had a good game today. You know, um, uh, Billings is a, is, a, is a quality veteran in there. You know, and then you have uh, Yannick Ngakwe got a couple of stunts in there, a couple of games he was able to get up in the middle, gets caught some pressure, didn't get any sacks. But um, I think, you know, like the linebackers today, TJ Edwards and – Edmonds has some plays. Jack Sanborn continues to make plays. The secondary disappointed me a little bit today, Aldo, although yeah. we had Stevenson with the interception. But uh, Kyler Gordon coming off a great game versus Carolina, I think he got beaten coverage a lot by Amon St. Brown. Again, that's a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. So mm-hmm. I thought that's a tough matchup. But I thought I just I just wanted to see Kyler Gordon kind of build off of that game versus Carolina and continue to show that. I think he kind of took a little bit of a step back, but not a, not a huge step back. But I just, again, you, like you said earlier, there are some pieces there. And and if you're the head coach and this is your this is your 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 forte, this is what you're brought in here for, and you can't protect a 12 point lead with five minutes less than five minutes left in the game, it, it just looks bad. It just looks bad on you. It really does. For the Lions, Amon uh, Ross St. Brown had eight catches, 77 yards, a touchdown. He was targeted 11 times. He caught eight of them. His longest was a 16-yarder. Gibbs caught six passes. His longest was 14 yards. He caught everything thrown his way. Uh, Jamison Williams, the young uh, receiver, uh, caught two for 44 yards. He had the longest uh, play of the game for the Lions, 32 yards. DJ Moore's 39-yarder was the longest in the game. Montgomery caught all two of the passes, headed his way for 22 yards. Sam Laporta, who's a very impressive young tight end, he caught three out of the five targets for 18 yards. And uh, then there was some change left afterwards. That was the Detroit uh, Lions receiving stats. And then I wanted to also add that you were talking about the sacks. It was Aiden Hutchinson was tributed with one sack and Aleem McNeil had a sack for his fifth of the season. So we are waiting. I think that one that Justin held on to the ball a little bit long and he could have probably got rid of it or just thrown it away. If, even if it was a coverage sack, just throw the ball away. That's he's got to do that. Um, and then the second one was with Hutchinson was what obviously that last that second last play where he, he stripped the ball from from Justin when he was looking at him. But uh, yeah, and the other right. thing with defensively, and then you touch on it at, at, at the halftime, Aldo, was they could not again get off the field on third downs. The Lions finished mm-hmm. seven for eleven on third downs. Those four uh, in, you know incompletions or, or, or you know failures on, on third down was all in the second half, right? Mm-hmm. That that early third quarter. That's when the Bears took that built that lead. So again. Defensively, they they only gave up what uh, is it 14 points at the halftime, but it just felt like they were not really dominating the game, even though the Bears felt like they're you know controlling the most of the football game. So defensively, you just got to get off the football field and you got to close off these games, especially when you have double digit point uh, point lead. Well, again, less than less than five minutes left in the, in the football game. Right. I, I want to get back to because a lot of people in the chat are saying Fields lost this game. I want to get back to that momentarily. That's just not true. He did not lose this. If you want to criticize Justin Fields, still, you know, there's a couple of plays, of course, that you can criticize. And Danny just did with, uh, with one where he held the ball a little too long. Uh, that the last turnover at the game, he he probably should have looked to the right and s- seen that Hutchinson was coming and, and moved up in the pocket. But the one concern that I have uh, with Fields is we his pocket passing has to improve so that he's not relying on his legs so often. I just want to see a more accomplished passer out of the pocket, particularly when you have – 
weapons. I, I think we can still list Darnell Mooney as a weapon. I know his stats aren't showing that, but that's one of the things with 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 Fields. He he tends to kind of look to one receiver, and and now it's DJ Moore, and everybody else is like a far second. Uh, the one thing about Bajent is that he it's it appeared to me that he distributed the ball more effectively to more than six, seven guys. He would distribute it to seven, eight, nine guys. What do you what do you think about that? Does that concern you, Danny, as much that Fields f- from the pocket needs to become more accomplished? I, I think I think that this is the thing uh, in a pocket. And this is earlier in the season when we first started. We talked about the season and, and previewing the season. You asked me, uh, you and John asked me where I think Justin needs to improve. And I said his play clock, his play clock in his head in the pocket. He's got to know that he can't hold the ball with for five, six, seven seconds. Within three seconds, you know, in pre pre snap, he's going to have to identify what's going on. Post time, he's going to have to identify quickly what's happening. If there's any adjustments, any changes, and then get rid of the ball within three to four seconds. You know, some some if you have a great offense line, you could put back there for six, seven seconds, but that's a rarity in the NFL. Okay, so that's where I think he needs to improve. I think in this game. We saw some of that. I think when in the game against Washington and in the game against Denver, we saw some of the the the, the quickness in terms of decision making after the game. Now he is going primarily to Justin to DJ Moore because that's his primary read. He's going read and and, he, and he's giving more opportunities to make plays on the football. So I think whenever you see Justin in the game, he's targeting. He's going after DJ Moore. He's giving more a little bit more time to get himself open or get to get an angle or, or get the in, the leverage or whether inside or outside to, to, to beat his guy. And he's giving him an opportunity. I think that's what you typically do with an one receiver. Now, in terms of Justin being a pure drop that back passer, we had this question on before 55 this past week. We said, you know, he's not going to be a traditional drop back passer, like say a Jared Goff or, you know, like a, a Tom Brady or some, some of these guys, right? He's a guy that, that can make plays in the pocket. You have to make plays in the pocket. He also gives you some of the today, which is rolling out, changing, his launch lounge angle, changing his, his launch point, and giving defenses th- more things to think about. You know, at the halftime, you know the the, uh, the Christina Pink, who was a silent reporter, talked to Dan Campbell and said, "What's your what's your main concern?" He said, "Fields, fields, fields, and fields." That was his that was his quote, saying that Justin Fields mm-hmm. is giving us problems. So that's what I'm saying. Like we can't just say. Let's throw this kid out. He can't do it. Like, you know, let's give him time to, to, to continue to get better from the pocket. I thought today, and I think although it sounds like you might have agreed with me, there's some positives there. I talked about earlier, stepping oh, yeah. up in the pocket, climbing the ladder. We don't see that with, typically with Justin Fields. We saw that today. We saw the ball getting out of his hands quickly, other than the couple of examples I've given you already. You know, that just build on that. Continue to work on that. Now, the 17, 18 carries today that he had, that's too much in my opinion. You want to, you want to keep it to between, you know, 10 at 10 to 15 at the max. You want to keep, you know, running this kid over and over again, but you know, mm-hmm. but, but use his legs to be a weapon to throw teams off. I love the fact in the first half they use the heavy sets, the two tight end sets that look like a lot, a lot of the run sets, but they used it to pass the football out of it. I like mm-hmm. him under center with play action. I like the eye formation stuff. Take the stuff and let's continue to build and build and build. And I think we're going to get there. I just you just need to continue to, to work with this kid and can help him develop in the pocket. But again, my main thing with Justin is that play clock that's in his head. That's got to speed up. I saw some of it today. I saw an improvement. Maybe it was just sitting back for four weeks and watching Bajan run this offense. You know, he, he did mention in his weekly pre- press conference that there are times that he would run the plays in his head as as um, as um, Getsy's calling him to Bajan and, and then say, Oh, okay. He wanted to ask Luke, why did you run that play? What did you see there? If he gets if he gets on, on the same page with Getsy and they and they build his 
offense around that that rushing attack, I think that's where you're going to see this obviously add more weapons, right? This is where you're going to see this this kind of this offense kind of continue to get better and better. So I, I think his numbers today were somewhat in terms of passing were 169. There are a couple of big plays there that that could have been had. We talked about the Tyler Scott one, uh, some other plays that, that that could have been had there as well that could have brought those numbers a little bit better. But again, for for a guy been off for four weeks. Uh, you know, I've run, rushed over 100 yards. I mean, he was he was the him and DJ Moore were probably the best players on offense today again in, on the Bears side. And then without mm-hmm. Justin Fields in there, this game wouldn't have been close. I'm gonna ask you this question. And I want everyone in the chat room to answer this question too. What is the score of today's game if Marvin Harrison Jr. is the other receiver opposite DJ Moore? Because I feel that the Bears would have won by two scores easily. Easily. What do you think, Danny? I, I love Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, I mean, I haven't I haven't done the complete report on him, but I mean, just just looking at the size, the speed. You know, he might not run a four three forty. He might run a four 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 five. We'll see what happens at the combine. But he's a guy with with that length, with with the catch radius, with the ability. Even if he's covered, he's one of those receivers. Even if he's covered, you could throw the ball to him. Imagine a combination of him and DJ Moore, and then Cole Komet, who's developing as a pass catcher. And now, you, if you bring back Darnell Mooney, slot him into a proper proper position as, as a number three receiver. And then you have Tyler Scott as a number four. Now you got some speed. You got some size on the outside. I think adding him to this offense with Justin Fields, that's a, that's that's going to be three to four dynamic players on your offense, guys. And now you yep. continue adding to the offensive line. This is where you get better as a team. This is where now you start putting up points. You know, uh, not just, you know, re- bringing in a rookie quarterback or another quarterback and getting rid of fields. Continue to work with them. Continue to kind of develop them. You know, whether it's Getsy or another, whether it's Ben Johnson, whether it's another another co- uh, offensive-minded coach, then come in and help him just kind of continue to develop that game. And, again, it's that play clock in his head. Knowing to get rid of that football quickly, I think that's where we'll see this this offense continue to get better and explode. But, obviously, yeah, if you add a, a dynamic weapon like Marvin Harrison Jr., opposite of DJ Moore, that's going to – just give you more options and obviously give you an opportunity to score more points uh, versus versus really good teams. Aaron Current, one of the co-hosts of the Barfly Tailgate Show, says, I love Marvin Harrison Jr. I take him number one, but you got to have a coaching staff that will get the ball to him. Do you think that will be a problem? Do you think if Marvin Harrison is the key guy the Bears are going for in this upcoming draft, do you think that uh, Ryan Post might stick with Luke Getze? Well, I, I, I honestly, I, I think this is this. Like I said earlier, this this game might have been the the end of the April Fools era. So I think that that washes gets you out with them. So I think what you do now is is if you want to go ahead and earlier, I think Ian Rappaport reported earlier that, that the Bears are not have to be blown away to take a quarterback first overall. Which which I don't know if that's just you know it's it's early on. It's all it's all you know gossip right now. But you know, if that's the case, that that that'd be good news in terms of you know like what I would want to do is keep Justin Fields and continue to build around him. But yeah, I mean if you have number one overall pick you know from Carolina, I would. You know, I would see what teams, the Giants or anybody else that wants to give you a haul for them. One pick, take take the head case out of USC, Cal Williams, and 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 you just move down. Get you know, Marvin Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. Pair him with DJ Moore, with Cole Komet, with Donald Mooney, and that rushing attack with Khalil Herbert. And I'll bring back Deontay Foreman. I love the way this kid plays. His toughness, his heart. Uh, got banged up today with with that angle again, but uh, I would love to see him come back. You, keep Anthony Johnson there as, as another three-headed back and continue uh, to your offensive line. That now you have the making of a, of an offensive system. If you have a head, as a head coach, or if it's a you know a defensive mind new head coach with a with a really innovative uh, offensive play caller, get the ball into the hands of your playmakers and continue to put points. And then that's how I, I would see like to see this continue this team continue to grow offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Scott is getting a lot of shit in the chat room. Uh, 
Danny, I, yeah, he, he had a tough game. No thought about it. By the way, Eberflus uh, uh, might come out, and so I'll interrupt you. But when you scouted Scott coming out of college for the draft, what was your take on him, and did you see problems with his hands? No. I mean, he, he has some drops. Yes, he had some drops. But he's, he's a college receiver. But his his main attribute is speed. You know, his his you know field stretching ability and and today he's a rookie. Uh, you know, he's made some tough catches over the middle uh, in previous games. So you know, he's a guy that's going to have up and down season. But today was a tough game. You know, that fumble led to their first touchdown. We mentioned earlier in the first half, and we talked about earlier, although in that that deep ball looked like he just kind of lost the ball, slowed down for a bit. If he had just kept running full speed, he might have been uh, done by a ball would have been running in, in his hands. That could have been a you know a game stealing catch there. Iberflus is approaching the podium. He doesn't look like a happy camper. Let's get some good audio out of there. Uh, let's go to him now. Very disappointed um, in the loss. Um, and really disappointed because of the way we played in the beginning. You know, I, I thought the guys did a really nice job of coming out. Um, offense scores. Scores a touchdown on the first possession, uh, which was that was our plan. Um, defense does a really good job of taking the ball away uh, in the first half. Um, did a really nice job of that. Uh, the one thing that we could have done better in the first half was capitalizing on those takeaways, you know, and then getting points, uh, which we did in the second half. You know, we got an interception, a fumble, and we capitalized on points. We got 10 points off of turnovers in the second half. But uh, the main thing is, is that, you know, obviously the disappointment was the finish. You know, we didn't finish it as a football team, didn't finish it as coaches, as players uh, the right way. And there's a lot of plays to be had out there um, and good calls that we could have made in those situations um, to get us that victory. And uh, again, there's, I, I, you know, accentuated the positives with those guys because there was a lot of good football. Justin Fields came back, you know, from injury, thought he played really well, ran the ball nice. Um, I thought when he did scramble, um, he avoided sacks, um, you know, most of the time. And I know we had two. And he did a really good job of, of looking downfield, hitting some side pockets, hitting some things down the field. And I think that's growth um, there with him. Uh, but uh, again, we decided to in the, in the in the second half, we decided to with the uh, inches there, fourth and inches, we decided to go, go ahead and kick that and go up 12 points with a little over four minutes to go. And then we just needed to execute better from that point. Um, with that open to questions. Yeah, um, you know, really the philosophy is you're 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 playing your your two minute defense, which is your mix and your coverages, which we did. You know, we're throwing in pressures there as well. Um, you know, the big thing that you got to do in that moment is uh, you know tackle when you get them in bounds. You know, so you're forcing them to use their timeouts, and you're you're doing a good job with that. And then uh, they have less timeouts, less time as they go. And again, they just went down the field too fast. I mean, it was like what six plays a minute, you know, sixteen or something like that. But it was just. Uh, just too fast. So we just got to do a better job. Yeah, the touchdown pass, they ran a high angle seven, got behind the, one of the DBs there. You know, so we just got to do a better job staying back. We always got to play high to low on that situation when you give it that give us that route. Yeah. Yeah, the first the first play was was a handoff to go inside. Right, because we've been really running that play. Um, we know, uh, obviously, we, the cutback on the corner is where we wanted it. I thought they blocked it really well on that one. Um, you know, and the second one was a disconnect play, a potential disconnect, and they played way outside on that one. And uh, so we handed it off. Um, you know, and then the third play was a, was a crosser over to uh, to DJ. You know, it was a crossing route, and uh, you know the free if the free safety comes down, which he did to take away the crosser. Then we we're going to throw it over the top. And I thought he did, had a nice read there. 
And I thought he just missed it by a step. And I uh, thought it was a good ball. I just got to run into the catch. Did you interject or add anything during the play calling on that sequence, or is that just Luke's show at that point? No, I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're talking to him about what we're going to do in terms of we need the first down. You know, and I think that's uh, that's an important part of it. And again, like I said, the first play play call was fine. And again, if they they end up closing down, we're going to disconnect. And I, the pass play at the end was was a good call. Um, so it's uh, just got to execute. Um, you know, you know, of course, you know, you can always guess in the second part of it. You know, obviously, we've been doing a really good job. I think he had over a hundred and some yards, right? Justin did. You know, not all of them on scrambles and a lot of them on, yeah, 104 yards. You know, he, he did a good job running that play, you know, prior to that, you know, and, and uh, he did a good job there. He read it correctly. So um, that's where it is. Yep. Sure. Yep. You're always giving thought there, but going up by 12 at four minutes to go was, was our thought process there. And we like that. Mm-hmm. You guys are, are desperate and just trying to. Is that to you a continuation of some of the issues that Justin has had in terms of pocket awareness and ball security? No, no, that 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 right there, that last play, you know, you're going to hang on it to try to make a play, you know, and I don't think that is. Okay. You talking about in the third quarter? Yeah. Okay. Was the four was the four minutes right? Four minutes to go, right? No, it was third and inches, right? We went for third and inches, right? Didn't get it, then we kicked. Right, that was the goal nine. Okay. Yeah, but both decisions were were good. We're good on that. You know, go up nine. That's that's a that's a full two scores. You know, and then to go up twelve. That again, that's that's exactly what we wanted to do. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's about finishing. It's about finishing. That's what I'm saying. The the positives are there. You know, to be able to run the ball and take the ball away, and that's something we've been hunting. You know, with, uh, to taking the ball away and give ourselves good field position. Now we can learn from that because you know we didn't get any points off of it in the first half. You know, so that, the, you know, the score could have been a little bit more, you know, starting out, you know, in the half. So when you get the ball at the, at the field, the, the plus field on offense, man, you got to punch it in. You know, we'll, we'll take a field goal, but we got to get some touchdowns there, which we did in the second half. Going back to the first second, you guys were able to do it. You were able to first team to be able to Yeah, I mean, they've been pretty, really good defense, um, you know, and, and they've been doing it all year. So uh, it's a strong group. It's a strong unit. And, you know, and they played good enough to win today. And, uh, you know, we really didn't see any weaknesses there. We just thought that, uh, you know, when they do play coverage or match coverage and play man, um, where they're not, uh, you know, having a spy in there for him, you know, that's when we had our opportunities to take off and run. I thought he did a nice job of that. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I thought Justin uh, had a good day today. Yeah, there was a couple instances there. You know, that those are those are huge plays. You know, because it forces timeouts and it also forces. You know, obviously you waste time and all that stuff. But uh, those are big plays. When you put this on the defense, four minutes to play, what's the thought process now? How do you build them back up? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, they've been playing really good defense, you know, last six weeks, and they played really good defense today at times. Um, you know, so we'll just accentuate the positives and, and look at the plays that we need to get better on, you know, and, and uh, you know, what could have been called better? You know, it's both. It's me and them. You know, it's not just them. You know, so I got to we got to look at it and see what we could have done better. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. I mean, that's that's where the game was, right? You know, we had a, a couple of opportunities to get some picks, you know, so we got to make sure we catch those. You know, that's a that's a big thing. And and again, we were working on that, you know, so really trying to take the drill, you know, from the game. You know, what was the situation, you know, like last week with Sanborn, you know, he dropped back, you know, in that last part of it. Or, you know, maybe Tyreek, you know, in that slant pass last week, you know, now he caught one, you know. So, you know, and Tyreek made some really good plays today. You know, he tackled well. And obviously that pick was was really, really good. And uh, But, yeah, you try to do that as a coach. You take it from the game and just start drilling it. You know, because that's what that's what happens, and you got to make those plays. When you, look at, when you look at Justin's overall game, the production, 169 yards passing, 104 rushing, is that enough for you guys to be a successful offense, or do you need more production in the passing game than 169 yards? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you always want, you always want major production, right? You know, like you know, he's had you know a couple games this year, and the, and again, when the numbers are the numbers, you know, obviously we ran the ball really well uh, today, and we were controlling the, ball, the game that way. Uh, much of the second half, and uh, we just got to continue to do that. But uh, we'll look at the tape and, you know, see where he needs to improve and see where everybody needs to improve. Dad, you said uh, you're trying to keep the focus on the positives, but that's a really objective locker room. How do you keep this team committed and fighting the way you want? Well, I mean, they're, they're tough. They're in, they're in that room for a reason, you know, because they got grit. They're tough. You know, they're tough guys, right? You know, so tough physically and tough mentally, you know, and uh, they have that mindset. And, uh, you know, they've had a lot of adversity. You know, we've had a lot of adversity as the Chicago Bears, and it's only going to make us tougher. And uh, to me, there's a lot of things you can build off of this, this, this game right here. And really, the last six weeks, you can build off of. And uh, we're going to look at it. We're going to get better from it. And then we're going we're gonna to move on. 24-hour rule, we're going to move on to the next week. Thank you. All right. That is head coach Matt Eberflus meeting with the media. Uh, not a lot of positive things. In fact, not any positive things in the chat room about even Flusen. You're shaking your head too. Your thoughts, Danny? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, it's it's we talk about it, although they dominated this game, but most of the important you know facets, right? In terms of you know uh, uh, time possession, turnover battle. You, you win a turnover battle four to one. Typically, you win these, you know, games. I, I don't know what the clip is, the numbers, but they got to be in the high eighty percent, I would think, right? If you you win a turnover battle four to one, I mean, you know, they they, they had a hundred, I think, you know, one hundred eighty three yards rushing. The numbers I thought I just saw here real quick, um, and then the, so that gained them on on their, in terms of rushing attack. Now passing that, you know, the, towards the final end there, they they ended up looking more in terms of two hundred twenty three yards passing to one hundred thirty nine overall passing yards for the Bears. But you know, three three twenty two to three thirty eight was the total offensive production for both teams. So you went toe to toe with the the top team in in your division at, at home in their stadium off off you know your quarterback coming off a four week layoff, and you you pretty much should have beat them. You know, you should have won this game. Like every way I look at this, obviously third down was a problem. We talked about earlier seven for eleven. They couldn't get off the field really in that first half. But you should have won this game, and you had a 12-point lead, and I keep repeating myself, with less than five minutes left in the game, you should win this game. And it's it's tough. If you're if you're a player in a locker room, said, damn, what else we got to do? What else we got to do to get a victory here? And and I think, like I said, I was coming into this post-game show ready to say, you know what, this could be a game or a career-saving, you know, a victory for even losing the staff. And then they, they just wound up choking it away and, and giving it away. And, and again, it's, it's the fact that defensively, 
you know, he brought some blitzes, but he was really just mainly dropping back in coverage. And Ben Johnson and, and Jared Goff were just picking picking them apart. And I always say the big thing is the middle of that defense is where they're soft, and that's that's where they attack them. Mm-hmm. Media is rushing up to the podium and putting their microphones down by uh, Justin Fields, and his press conference begins right now. Um, yeah, I think, you know, overall, I think we did a good job playing complimentary football. The defense did a good job in the first half with the uh, takeaways. And uh, I think the offense did a good job of, you know, pushing the ball outfield, um, you know, controlling the ball uh, long, like 14 play drives, long, long play drives. So um, I think, you know, overall we did good. I think um, where we got to get better at is just the situations. I think, um, you know, of course, the two minutes before the half, that was big. And, of course, the two minutes at the end of the game. And then, you know, when, you know, offense, so we need a big play, we got to, you know, hunker down and make those big plays. So, um, yeah, I think it's just um, – it really just comes down to, you know, those two drives and a few other plays mixed, mixed into there. So. I mean, yeah, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, but, you know, I think we just got to take the positives out of it and uh, just learn from the loss and um, – like I said before, we did a lot of good things this game, and just just got to build on that. So, um, what did you, uh, you see on the deep shot to Scott on third down there? Yeah, safety came down right. On more yeah, safety came down right. Robert coverage. Um, you know, it was just one on one. He had him beat, and uh, I think he just misjudged, misjudged the ball. He was running straight, and then I think he tried to run a little bit, a bit like that, and um, got off balance a little bit, and that's what caused him to kind of lose his speed. So, um, you know, he's a young player with a bright future in this league, and. You know, he'll, he'll be good and bounce back from that. If that thing connects, and now you guys either score. If that thing connects, yeah, I think I think that's still the deal, in in my opinion. So, yeah. You made the right call there to, to give to Khalil. Is that just the way the Lions were playing you? Um, second down run? Second down before that play? Was that a choice? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a read option, and I just handed it off. So it end was wide, yeah. So you think coming into that position, I imagine, just based the way you ran that throughout the game? I mean, yeah, just the different. front. You know, they have different fronts out of different personnel. So I think they were in base on that one. And, you know, when they're in base, they have five down linemen, which are the automatically makes the D in wider. But, um, yeah, I think he got disrupted. But, yeah, that was a for sure good read because I'm, if I'm getting any any option, 50 50 pull it, I'm going to do it. So, uh, yeah, that was a good read for sure. Uh, you know, if it was, then I, 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 that was just in the plans to be honest with you. But um, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, the DN takes the running back, then I'm out on the edge, and you know, if he plays me, then I'm taking him away from the runner, and you know, hopefully another defender. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's just what we had in the game plan. And of course, you know, I think we did a good job on the ground, running the ball. O-line did a heck of a job, you know, in the run game, protecting all game. So. From the offense down the stretch, what, you got, what would have pushed you guys from field goals into touchdowns in some of those cases, or maybe a longer drive on that three and out? On the last three and out? Yeah, the last three and out, and then Probably I think the one before the last drive. The, the three play, the one that we were just talking about with the uh, with deep Tyler. Drive Tyler, yeah, and then before that, I mean, like I said, it's just, goals the first like I said before, it's just like situational. The one that I got up through to Khalil, um, man coverage, um, they played the play pretty well, didn't have anywhere else to go, so, you know, kind of threw it out of bounds, threw it away. And then the last one, like I said, if, you know, we connect on that deep shot. I mean, that's uh, most likely game over. So, uh, yeah, just being able to 
lock in on those plays where we need to, um, you know, make those big plays happen. And I think that's the next step for us and um, the next step that we got to get to. So. What did you see on the last drop back? You're waiting to see if somebody got open. Yeah, I mean, they all sunk. I was about to get into my check down. I was about to, boom, go go check it down. And right when I did, the ball got smacked out of my hand. So, yeah. How did you Yeah, I got the same question. How did my thumb feel? Um, felt good. Held up. Uh, held up pretty good. Um, so, yeah, didn't didn't really affect me in any way today. So, it felt good. Before the two-minute warning, it looked like Andre was doing something with your hand. Yeah, so my middle finger, oh, I don't want to flick y'all off, but <laughs> my middle finger, um, it just started bleeding. Uh, crazy out there, so um, I just had to go on the sideline, get some liquid band-aid put on there, and um, stop the bleeding. But yeah, didn't didn't have anything to do with the thumb. So. Yeah, I mean, I was just feeling it, you know. Uh, of course, that was a thing, third and fifteen, and we got a big gain on that, so that was a big conversion. And uh, yeah, just feeling a little bit. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. I can't tell you. So. Yeah, just just was just first thing that popped in my mind. So yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Just in your position right now, when your team's three and eight, you had to carry a lot of the load offensively, 104 on the ground, 169 out the air. How do you keep your team and their morale to not dip so low, especially being the leader of this team? I mean, we just played a heck of a team. Um, number one in our division. Um, like I said, probably top three, top five in the league right now. So um, and. If I'm keeping it real with y'all, we we should have won that game. It just comes down to finishing and um, you know executing at the end of the game. So um, you know that's that's how you do it. Uh, Jared Goff he does he does a great job not turning the ball over. And the way our defense was uh, was able to you know create takeaways was big for us. And you know as an offense, we got of course you know turn those into touchdowns rather than field goals or no points at all. But um, I mean yeah, that's kind of how you keep the morale up. You know we know who we are. Um, we know what kind of team we are, and you know we just got to be better. We just got to finish. And like I said, when those big moments happen, when we need those big plays, we got to execute. How hard is it to how hard is it to keep the the positive side of it, or look at the moral victory of it when going through this? It's not hard. I mean, you accept what happened and you move on. Um, like I said, you take the positives, learn from, you know, what we need to learn from, and keep going. Like we're not gonna suck over a, a L. Like it, it is what it is. Keep pushing. We got a game next week, so. Um, you just got to keep going and, yeah, just, just keep working and keep getting better. You had the injury itself, but you also had to lay off the month or more between games. Did you feel like that affected you at all, or how did you yeah. make sure that it that it wouldn't? It affected me positively. Shoot, I felt, I felt like it was the first game of the season out there, so my body felt good. Um, you know, I was just trying to uh, practice just to make, keep my conditioning up running-wise and stuff like that. So, um, my, you know, my body felt good uh, uh, 100% going into the game. So, yeah. Successful against the Lions throughout the entire game, like last couple minutes. What did you see change from them schematically? Like which part? Just like they have to get pressure. You talking about the last play? But, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I think to help Darnell out, you know, Hayden, he rushed high, just got to step up in the pocket and uh, do better. But you know, I know Darnell was beating himself up after the game, and you know, he's gonna learn from that, get better. But you know, to help him out, I got to step up in the pocket and uh, you know, just help him out. And yeah. Cole saying that. This group is kind of tasked more with you guys to figure out a way to win games like this. What you mentioned situations like what are the keys to make sure the execution comes together and the key moments? Just finish. Um, like I said, the deep ball to Tyler, he's got to lock in and run through that. And defense, you know, I talked to you know TJ after the game, and 
he said it to me like the matter of the fact is we can't let up 12 points in the last however so minutes there were in the game. So, uh, you know, just finishing, finishing. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, just making plays. So you can't really explain it. You kind of just got to go out there and do it, to be honest with you. So, yeah. yeah. For the touchdown, yeah. Um, you should have had another post for a touchdown. I overthrew him on the first one. And, um, but yeah, we knew going into it, you know, the safety kind of gets nosy on, um, you know, high crosses, low crosses, and he sometimes plays it low. So just saw the low safety and um, put the post on it. I told him I wasn't going to miss him on it again if we came back to it. And, you know, of course, DJ ran a great route, um, line protected. Um, you know, just felt like I had it all day back there on that one. But, yeah, I just delivered the ball to DJ. Of course, he did a good job of uh, getting his feet down, and, you know, it was a great play all around. After that play? Yeah. I just went up to him and, you know, told him again that, or told him that I told him, I told him that I wasn't going to miss him twice. So, um, you know, um, you know, we were all, we were all pumped up and um, pumped up for sure. So, yeah. Did you get a chance, Last one, did you get a chance to catch up with David? Of course I did. Of course I did. Um, you know, David's um, my brother, no matter, you know, where we are, you know, in life, in our football careers. And, uh, you know, um, as much as it sucks, you know, seeing him win, I'm, I'm, you know, happy for him. And um yeah, I mean he's a he's a he's a great person and you know, of course a great player. So it was it was, it was great seeing him. Wow. Man, I, I first of all I love that press conference. He said so many things and what he ended with there talking about his brother David Montgomery was really touching. You know, these guys, athletes build these bonds with certain players and so forth, that is really something that many of us normal human beings don't go through when you when you are, are working out uh, and, and going through all the challenges and so forth. Playing against his old teammate had to be special for him. A couple of other things that really stuck out for me, Danny, is he, he talked about how fresh he felt, and that is great, great news. He's got the next game is on a Monday night, and then they got a bye. So he should finish this season, you know, feeling 100% healthy. He should be firing on all cylinders. I think that's good news because what he did today, I thought he he issued the promise. Hey, I'm back. I know how to play this game. The coach is allowing me to play this game the way I want to play this game. So that was good. And then the other thing is, I love the candor when he says when he said to the reporters, "If I'm being honest with you, we should have won this game." Yep. Exactly, exactly yep. right. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that, that was what I was going to touch on right there. Although was 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 the leadership, you know, because you know people go up there and be like, "Oh, you know, it's it's a it's one week, and we'll we'll go back to the grind, and we'll look at the tape, and we'll we'll come back next week and we're ready to play." No, he said, "You know what, guys? Honestly, we should have won this game. We were talking about it before he jumped up there that they should have won this game, right?" Uh, T.J. Edwards, he said, um, in the locker room, told him that, that hey, it's on them. The defense should not have given up a twelve point lead with less than five minutes left in the game. So, you know, the, the, the fact that they up there, the leadership between him and, and T.J. Edwards and, and some of the other young guys on this team, you know, that's what you want to see. You, 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 he's going to go out there. He's going to tell his guys, "Listen, guys, we could have won this game. We we want to head to head with the, the top team in our division. You know, top three, five team in the NFL." At their place, you know, me coming off a four-week, you know, injury uh, layoff, and we could have won this. We should have won this game, and that's how you, you come back next week versus Minnesota. If you're the, if you're a young team, saying, "All right, you know, we're we're getting there, we're getting better," and that's how that's how you kind of come back to the to the grindstone because it's it, you know it's once you get this losing culture and you keep losing week in and week out, you just feel like, man, no matter what we do, we're gonna end up losing the game, and that's the thing they have to eliminate. And you know, when they 
when Eve Lewis and Poles talks about the culture that they're building, but yet yeah, it's been a losing culture. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a positive culture. So you got to turn it around. And I thought, I thought this was going to be that game that's going to be able to help them, you know, springboard and, and turn that around. But unfortunately they ended up just choking it away. So, you know, that's the leadership that, that you see from Justin Fields, you know, defensive captains coming to him and telling him, Hey, this, this is on us, not on you. Don't worry about this. You know, this kid, everything that we've heard this kid is, is beloved by his teammates. You know, he's, he's got what they call that if factor in terms of in the locker room, guys love playing for him. They want to, you know, every time he gets hit extra, you see I'm rallying to the defender getting in their face and, and going to the referee saying, Hey, listen, we need a flag here. What is going on here? You know, that's told me that these guys love this player and they, they will follow him. It's just, you know, obviously they're still kind of, you know, gathering some pieces on offense and, and kind of you know learning how to win. But that's what you need. You need, a, you need a coach that can come in here and build some confidence and get this team over that edge and start learning, start winning those those close games, and, and then hopefully build a winning culture, not a losing culture. Uh, Ian Rappaport wrote before the game that sources told him that the Bears are evaluating Justin Fields over these last seven games. Now, you know, one is in the books. Do you think that? Um, uh, if Ryan Poles is evaluating this game as part of that seven-game evaluation, he's he's got to give Justin Fields a plus here. And then, uh, obviously, he's evaluating the coaching staff and the offensive play calling and probably give them a better grade than he would have maybe a couple of games ago, uh, but still a failing grade. Do you agree? Defensively, yes. Defensively, I, I keep repeating myself. You can't blow that 12-point lead with less, than, with less than five minutes left in the game, especially since you've been controlling the game pretty much in terms of time possession, turnover battle, all that stuff. But obviously, like like this, my, Luke Getze, I, I think, did some positive things for me. But today, I, it's hard for me. I know in the chat, a lot of people are, are attacking Getze. And I really, I, really I, I don't find much – again, if I'm nitpicking, you know, why too much sure. of the, the shotgun runs, you know, get under center – you know, I formation that was a successful. You guys were, win, you know, winning that battle front. Uh, but I think Getsy had a, had a good overall game plan. I, th- I think you know, uh, you know, they put 322 yards total on the, on the board, twenty six points overall. Um, you know, that that should be good enough to win you week in and week out. It's just you needed a stop here and there on 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 defense to to go ahead and, and secure this game. And obviously, you know, you know, everyone seems to forget that that pick six that was in Jalen Johnson's hands in that first half. You know, that could have been. That, that, that could have been right there, the, the, the game win right there. So, you know, hold on to that football. That's a different, that's a whole different ball game. That's four interceptions for golf. You know, who knows what, what happens there. But, you know, it's it's the things that finishing, that's why I'm talking about finishing. And, you know, if we go up, we go up to the coach every week, says we got to finish, we got to finish. Well, you you're and your coaching staff has to has to help this team learn how to finish. And and that's where I'm saying they're failing this 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 young football team. So uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's different areas there. But Getzi was not a guy that, that I was going to pick on today. I get, obviously we'll take a look at the all 22 and see. I'm sure you'll find some things here and there where you questionable plays. But uh, you know, you could talk about the you know the going conservative on fourth and one. You talked about you talked about the the drop pass by by Tyler Scott. We talked about the, the fumble by Tyler Scott in the first half. We talked about the, the missed opportunity for a pick six. You know, teams that that you know like the Bears that are just kind of like don't have the t- overall talent to compete with some of these upper echelon teams. When you have the opportunity to put points on a board or, or, or finish off a, a, a big time team, you got to take a chance. You got to take advantage of that. You can't let it slip by. And unfortunately too many opportunities for the bears to kind of seal this victory slip by and eventually the, the victory slipped by. Well, we got a game coming up against the Minnesota Vikings in seven days or yeah, seven days. Uh, if you count them starting tomorrow, Monday night football against the Vikings as part of my final questions for you, Danny, is 
What do you think? This is the team that injured Justin Fields and sat him out for four games. The exotic blitzes by uh, Brian Flores, a defensive coordinator over there. Uh, are you concerned about this game? What are you? What's your thinking heading into this game? Right. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, this is a team that's. I believe won four or five wins in a row, starting with that that victory at Soldier Field earlier in, in week five, week six. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins is out, uh, but Josh Dobbs has come in there and done a, done a you know remarkable job. But you know, he's a different kind of quarterback. He's a guy that can use his feet and get away from pressure and and, and beat you with his legs. So, dual threat quarterback. Uh, I believe Justin Jefferson might be back next week uh, for his first game back against the Bears. So that's that's another you know big time weapon there that you have to contend with. And he talked about you know Brian Flores and his ability to to blitz. And and I think the game plan. This is where I think you and I kind of start off in terms of that that first play set right. It was, it was empty and they, mm-hmm. and then um and then the justin didn't didn't uh you know roll away from the pressure and he got sacked on the first play you know, that's the kind of stuff you got to stay away from if you're luke getsy and justin fields is hopefully they learned their lesson from that game and just you know build off of this game right we talked about you know continue to run the ball build your you know your your passing game off off of the play action off of those those you know dual you know 12 man personnel sets and all that's a heavy sets and and just continue to do that maybe it's some some more two man routes instead of three man routes you know but you got to be able to protect Justin Justin's got to be able to get himself you know out of harm's way if, if if for example that that first play happens where there's a free defender coming at him he's got to get 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 down or get rid of the football uh, hopefully they learn from that and, and they, they build a, a a game plan that can beat them. But you know, defensively, this is going to be a challenge. You know, uh, you know, they cannot really run the ball, Minnesota. So I and I think this is going to be you know the, the Bears' strength is is their weakness. So I don't think the running game is going to beat them. I think where they're going to beat them is, is in the passing game, especially if Justin Jefferson's back. And you know, can you protect or can you stop the pass? You know, uh, Matt Eberflus and, and his defense. So we'll see how that happens. But yeah, it's it's a game you got to be worried about. Another division game. We know April Fools now is what 0-9 in his division. Um, so he hasn't won a division game yet as a head coach. So we'll see how that goes. But it doesn't look like it's it's a game that I'm excited for uh the Bears opportunities in terms of going in there and pulling off a victory in Minnesota. Yeah, that's the tough part. It's another tough uh venue to play in. It's loud just like it was at Ford Field. The young players, you know, hopefully the experience they had today will help them with their composure against Minnesota. I, I do like our chances to win that game, uh, Danny, but you know, I'm I'm not going to go to the betting window and, and put a hundred dollars on the Bears to win, that's for sure. Um I and and I also do believe that Playing the Vikings at this point is a great matchup for the Chicago Bears in terms of their growth, in terms of, you know, what you can you accomplish after your performance in Detroit, where you took the division leaders all the way down deep into the fourth quarter. And now you're playing a team that is really hot. I'm not sure what happened today with the Vikings, but you're You're playing playing you're playing tonight. Okay. So I'll be watching that game very closely. So now you're going to go into that venue playing a, a hot team who's probably coming into the game with five or so straight wins or if not five out of six. And, you know, let's see. Let's. It's a good measuring stick for me. And my, my biggest hope, of course, is that all of these young players, including Justin Fields, are that we need to be the nucleus of this organization going forward so that we can – 
invest our draft picks in a wide receiver, in a pass rusher, in some of the other things that can help this team quickly become a contender, um, that we can focus on that as opposed to looking at the Caleb's and the uh, uh, Mays and some of these other quarterbacks. Yeah. So speaking of those quarterbacks, what are your thoughts on the two top quarterbacks, uh, May and uh, Williams, given that their regular seasons are just about over? Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, the, the, the I'm, I've been the the contrary in terms of what some of the, the hype is for for Caleb Williams. He's a guy that has been called a generational talent, which I I, I don't agree with. I mean, for me, no six no six foot one quarterback is generational talent. His, his decision making uh, on the football field this year for me has has taken a bit of a dip. Some might say it's because of the lack of weapons on offense that he has around him. Uh, you know, some of the stuff off the football field, although you've talked, you and I have talked about, you know, there were some questions from scouts I've talked to early on in the season where they wanted to see him prove himself off the field more so than on the field. So I think, you know, that some of that stuff has come up in terms of, you know, his maturity or, or lack thereof off the football field. So, you know, do you want to invest on, on in a kid? Yeah, that could be immature. You know, well, you know, the question is, will 53 men, not co- college students or college athletes follow him? Now, that, that's that's the thing you have to look at, especially if you're going to make him the face of your franchise. You know, you know, going in and again, I'm, I'm in the minority here, but I'm, for me, like I like Drake May a little bit more than Caleb Williams right now. You know, he's not the athlete, uh, you know, the, the guy that can make things out of out of nothing happen like like a Caleb Williams, but he's more of a traditional, you know, six force, you know, big big guy, big quarterback back there. You know, some will deem him as a pocket passer, but he's a, he's sneaky athletic. He's the guy that could use his legs to go ahead and get some first downs. He's not a Justin Fields or he's not a Caleb, Caleb Williams in that aspect, but he's not also a statue back there. So, you know, if, if I, if you had told me right now, Aldo, make your final decision, who would you take Drake May or Caleb Williams? I'm leaning a little bit to over to, to Drake May. I do like some other quarterbacks uh, later on in this draft and, and we can get into it as, as the, uh, the draft season starts, but guys like Bo Nix, unfortunately, uh, Jordan Travis is a guy I liked a lot. He got injured yesterday. It looked like a horrible injury. That oh. that looked like me a season-ending one. So we'll see how he recovers from that. But uh, oh, easy, you know, there yeah. are some other guys. You know, Michael Pratt from Tulane, not big name guys, but guys you might be able to get late day two, early day three, possibly. Then come in here and you can put them in a competition with Justin or with Tyson Bajan or something like that. I, I, I like just like you. I want to use our top potential top ten picks on difference-making positional players, Marvin Harrison Jr., Keon Coleman, receiver from Florida State, a, a, a pass-rushing defensive end or defensive lineman, you know, uh, you know, to get, uh, maybe trade down and get more assets for for next year's draft. Maybe you have, a, a, you know, if, if next year you're still going into what's questions about Justin, you know, Shadur Sanders, that kid from Colorado, prime son, is going to might be available in the draft. You know, you know, there's always guys that come out, you know, a year or two later that say, all right, these guys could be, you know, the possible, you know, heir apparent at quarterback. So, you know, that's what I would love to do is, is not worry about this class that's been deemed great uh, a little bit prematurely. By, and for me, it's it's a lot of the, the, these tw- these Twitter draft guys are have, have kind of put that out there. A lot of the scouts I've talked to have had questions on both guys, on, on, on the entire class. And they're not, they're not. To me, the guys I've talked to haven't said generational talent, the next Patrick Mahomes, which is what you hear all over ESPN and some of the other 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 broadcasts. So, um, but if you had to ask me to answer your question, if you had to ask me today who I would like to pick between Will, uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May, I'm right now on November was it November nineteenth? I'm leaning towards Drake May over Caleb Williams. Uh, Matthew asked a question: Is Caleb more accurate than Justin Fields? Because I think that's a good question. I see Caleb make some sensational, you know, off balance kinds of throws you know and, and then there are other times where i see him and i think to myself justin is more accurate than him what do right. you think 
Yeah. In terms of in terms of uh, uh, college wise, I, I think Justin was more accurate at college. Now you're talking to me projecting him at the next level. It's going to be a little bit difficult. Obviously, I haven't seen Caleb Williams play, but you know what he does is the thing you like about him is he comes from you know Lincoln Riley, you know who's who's, who's tutored you know the Jalen Hurts and, and and some of the other quarterbacks that have, that have been number one picks you know uh, in, in the league. So you you think he has an idea in terms of how the passing game supposed to go. And there are times where he is he is accurate. He's on he's on the money. He's got a strong arm. Like I said, he can throw from any single angle in terms of his arm angle. He can adjust and make throws from all, all different kind of platforms. So you do like that about him. He is he's kind of coming about right, right around six one, I think. So he's not a big physical specimen. He is thicker into his lower in terms of lowest half, his lower half. So he's got some power in terms of his contact balance and be able to break tackles that way. And he is a, a dual threat, you know, quarterback. But his decision making really has has taken a, a dip for me. Uh, you know, again, a lot of that's been based off of it's basically him out there. Uh, for USC this year, and he's just trying to make something out of nothing. But so just the decision making in terms of throwing a ball up, up and grab up for grabs, he thinks he can his arm can can beat any other you know defensive back and, and trying to zip it into tight spots. You know, some 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 of that stuff really kind of bothers me. And obviously, we talked about the off the field stuff. So um, you know, to me, he's not a generational talent. It's it's I can't call him a generational talent right now. So, uh, but yeah, no, there are there are I guess to answer your question, there are some times where I don't think he's as accurate as to me Justin was coming out of Ohio State, but. Again, Justin had bigger passing windows, right? And his Ohio State receivers were, were you know, three, four, five, five, you know, yards open. So uh, I think I think both guys have issues with holding on to the football. Caleb Williams will hold on to the football, similar to Justin does, you know, because these guys that have the ability to to use their legs and be playmakers feel like they can always elude the defenders and buy more time for the guys downfield. So you'll notice if you watch USC he holds on to the football a lot and has taken some sacks because he just hasn't gotten rid of the football as well. So some of the similarities are there as well in terms of, you know, some of the processing and all that stuff. But uh, again, for me, it's you've already invested four years in Justin Fields. I would just love to continue to build around him and keep him as a quarterback. You can bring in someone later on in a draft, you know, like I said, it should be a, a pretty solid depth in terms of that quarterback class and, and along with Tyson Bajan and have them compete. I'm not saying Justin should come in next year and just be given the job, have him go out there, earn it. Uh, but yeah, I, I would rather build, around build his roster continue building his roster with with some premier talent then again take another stab at this at this quarterback position i'm with you 100 percent. it is time to put weapons around the quarterback and i'm hoping that justin fields continues to progress over these last six games so that we can confidently uh, move into the 2024 uh, season and if he doesn't then then we have to look at the quarterbacks that's just a fact that's just the way that it looks like uh 4000 clover says that that notre dame game uh left williams shook it certainly did since that notre dame game where he threw three interceptions caleb williams uh, he hasn't been quite the same quarterback. And uh, so, and the fact that he didn't meet with the media yesterday after uh, his latest loss, uh, I saw Danny that you tweeted that he, you know, that kind of shows the lack of leadership component that uh, he's going to have to improve on when he gets to the next level. And, and I'll, I'll remind people that after the Utah game, he refused to get up and shake hands with the opposing team after Utah upset them. So that was a, a, a huge uh, mark against them. Some of the signs we've talked about in terms of some of the scouts have told me, like, you know, there's questions coming into the season about his maturity off the football field. And that's what I was talking about there. Like, that was just a small example. You know, some might say it's not a big deal. Okay, it's, it may, may not be a big deal, but it's a big deal if you're the face of the franchise, you're the first overall pick. And then, and then you know what? One day he says, I'm not going to go up talk to the media because I had a bad game. Well, 
that's not what you do here in the NFL. You have to go up there and talk to the media. You got to face the media. You got to answer the questions, you know, even if you don't want to. So, you know, things like that and, and just some leadership stuff. We see him the Notre Dame game where I saw him, you know, a coach is trying to talk to him, pump, calm him down. He's pushing away the coach's hands. You know, like, you know, I think things happen on the sidelines. So I'm not just kind of, you know, pinpointing right. that. Oh, oh, look at this. You know, I've seen Tom Brady yell, go toe to toe with Bill O'Brien, you know, and now he's the greatest of all time. So it, it, that happens in the heat of the moment, but just, it just it adds to some of this and then the his play this year where it's he feels like he's got to do everything on, on by himself goes outside the structure of the offense a lot of times you know that, those are the things that kind of you have to kind of sit back and, and kind of dive into them if you're a scout or if you're a you know a, a gym making making a, a big commitment to a guy like number one overall and see you know what's going on there you know is that something they have to be alarmed with is there something that, that can be coached out of them you know, is, is he a guy that's coachable? Is he a guy that's going to have that, what they call the it factor, right? Uh, you know, we see his dad doing a lot of talking in the media for him, you know, and, and that he he's, that he wants something about her, something where he, his dad asked for, uh, that Caleb wants ownership of a team or something like that. And like some ridiculous stuff. And again, you don't know what to believe. It's it's all, you know, hyperbole right now in the media and stuff like that. So things like that have to be investigated before you say, this kid is is the next, you know, great, you know, superstar quarterback. I just hate putting that, that title, elite, title on players that haven't haven't yet proven it to me i agree with you well said and a great job danny i want to let people know that our coverage is abbreviated this week because it's a thanksgiving day holiday uh greg gabriel and i will be back here on tuesday morning at 11 a.m central uh, right now, we don't have a show scheduled for tomorrow, but I'm going to talk to Mike North and uh, see if he can do his press conference uh, Monday morning. And then uh, on Tuesday, after the Gabriel show, a few hours later, we'll have Bear Their Souls. And then on Wednesday, right now, things are up in the air. We'll let you know. The best way to stay on top of stuff is to subscribe to the YouTube channel for the Barroom Network and also to our audio podcast. We've got a lot of great audio podcasts, including a Bulls one that's not on video and you can only get up via audio podcast. Danny, any last words for your fans? Just stay tuned, man. This is going to get interesting. Uh, you know, obviously, I'd, I'd, I'd love the way that Justin came back today and, and showed command and, and showed that that playmaking ability on offense. Uh, defensively, for three and a half quarters, it, it looked it looked pretty good. It looked like they're they're you know Montez Sweat was, was making his presence felt. The young guys were making plays. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson, if you could just hold on to that football, you have a pick six there. So, you know, this is a, a, a like Justin said in this press conference, this is the, the, the best team in the division, and you went toe to toe with them and should have actually should have beat them, you know, in their home. So, um, so there are some positives there, but again, it, it just comes down to you can't blow that lead with 12 double digit point lead with less than five minutes left in the game. And, and you look at that defensive coordinator who happens to be your head coach, and that's where that the point I point the finger to in terms of why this team will lost today. All right. For Danny Shemin, I'm Aldo Gandia. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.